Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where we explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. In this episode, I'll be talking to Shalmina Abji about how to bring your A-game to both work and life. While this conversation will largely be about women for women, her personal leadership principles apply to everyone. Shalmina is a gender equality in leadership advocate, author, speaker, former IBM vice president. She is an angel investor and board member, including the United Nations Foundation project Girl Up. Shalmina has walked the walk from the dusty plains of Tanzania, where she was born, to the boardrooms of top companies around the world, becoming one of the highest ranking women of color in IBM. Welcome, Shalmina, and thank you for coming to inspire our listeners on Win at Work and Life today. Well, thank you, Nikki. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to address your audience. Well, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Shalmina, you've learned many lessons on your journey that you freely share with women you mentor or sponsor, and you became a single mother in the workplace when your children were just two and four years old, respectively. So the demands at work and home have always been great at every stage in your career. And I often speak to my own audiences about time and whether work-life balance is even possible because there's never enough time. How did you reframe your relationship with time? Wow, that is such a great question. So first of all, there is always enough time. I know people like to think there is never enough time. We are always in a rush trying to do whatever it is that is vying for our attention. But the fact of the matter, Nikki, if you think about it, the CEO of the largest organization in the world, the president of every country in the world, everyone, including you, me, and the person that's just starting their career, we all get 24 hours in a day. It's not about enough time or not enough time. It is about what you achieve in the time that is given to you. It is about making the most of the time that is given to you. It is about recognizing that your time is perishable, it is limited, and it is your most valued asset. And how are you going to invest it? When you think of your time as your most valued asset, and how are you going to invest it so you can get maximum return for it? Then your relationship with your time changes. I used to use the word time. However, now I use the word attention because in this era of multitasking, most of us have devices tied to us with a constant stream of interruptions, emails, text messages, alerts, breaking news, etc. And being present in the moment, being fully present in the moment is one of our major challenges. If you are not intentional and strategic, you might be in a meeting physically, but you aren't fully present mentally or emotionally. And in those situations, you are giving the meeting and the people your time, but not your attention. And that is a very big distinction to make. So now that's why I talk about 
intentional attention, being very intentional and frankly strategic about where are you going to allocate your attention? Because that is what determines what you achieve during the day or during the evening, whether you're at work or at home or with your friends, you don't necessarily have to be home, but your life outside of work. If you are intentional about focusing your attention on your highest priorities, you are constantly making meaningful progress towards what you call win at work and life. So first of all, I think you need to define what is your definition of win? And your definition of win must be and should be different from my definition of win because your life is different. What matters to you is different. And so once you define how you define your win, then what you do is you constantly move towards winning. It's the small steps you take every day that culminates into your win. You see, this winning doesn't happen overnight one fine day. This winning happens in your everyday moments. And if you are intentional every single day, every single hour, in ensuring that you are focusing your attention to what is moving you closer to your win. So what you're talking about, Shalmina, is giving your time and attention leadership giving it direction. Otherwise, it will take over your life. And I just think as a woman who is a list queen, I wake up every morning or the night before I've made my list. And uh, that list can be full of very important things, as well as a lot of things that are maybe not so worthy of my attention to put it in your own words. Because you talk about is this task worthy of my attention? Is this deal, is this negotiation worthy of my attention? Does it deserve my attention? And that really caught my eye. And just for our listeners, Shalmina has a book coming out later this year that is going to be a must read. And this is what really grabbed me, that it's all about personal choice and how you value yourself where you are going to spend your time and your attention. And both of those, as you said, is a finite resource. Perhaps you can pick up from there because I think this is a real game changer in terms of how women see themselves. Yes, thank you for asking that. You know, um, Nikki, I started my career as a software programmer and engineer. I was working on projects. I knew exactly what those projects were, when they had to be done. And I worked hard, I poured my heart and soul into it and they got done in a good amount of time. But when I joined sales at IBM, I I was motivated to make more money and that's why I joined sales. As an energetic new salesperson determined to succeed, I started going after every opportunity I had in my time, in my pipeline. And what happened is I was diluting my attention because I was working on so many opportunities. And each one of these opportunities 
had an enormous number of tasks associated with those opportunities. So as you said, when you wake up in the morning, you have a, a big to-do. Some of those to-dos are important, they're urgent, they're moving you closer to your definition of success, and some of them might not be. And if you don't question whether you should be, is this task worthy of your attention? Does it deserve your attention? If you don't question, then you will react to whatever comes your way. You will be driven by the tasks coming your way instead of you intentionally picking which task deserves my attention. And so my sales leader looked at my endless list of tasks and my never ending list of opportunities. And he told me something that just completely changed my career trajectory. And he said, Shalmina, you cannot chase every deal in your pipeline. You must ask if this deal is worthy of your attention. And I looked at him confused. I'm thinking, what do you mean by this deal worthy of my attention? And he says, you see, we have limited time and energy. Any time, any energy, any attention you give to a deal which does not have a chance of closing, which does not maximize your success, you are taking it away from a deal that could. And to me, that is very powerful because we have a choice. What do we say yes to? What is worthy of our time? Because if we say yes to something that is not worthy of our time, we are saying no to something that is worthy of our time. So if you do the work upfront and you really look at all your tasks and you determine, is this task worthy of my attention? What will I achieve if I perform this task? How quickly, how fast will it get me closer to my win? That way, if you have two tasks that are good, that could both take you closer to your definition of win, you can pick the one that will take you faster. It's about return on the investment of your time. And the return is computed. How quickly does it get you closer to your win? And that's how you make these choices of what do I say yes to and what do I say no to? And Shalmina, that brings us to that place of knowing what your definition of success actually looks like. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting for me in, in reading your work and listening to you is that while you have had very clear ideas of where you want to get to, you're also really okay with re-examining those goals along the way and tweaking them. Yeah. Um, as you go, and that's part of self-awareness and self-reflection. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because you started off on this journey of, you know, creating the stellar career one step at a time, initially with very young children who've obviously grown with you. Initially, you needed to put a roof over their heads. But as you've evolved, that's changed to angel investing and building a school in Tanzania and things like that. So I love the fact that your view of success and what success means to you 
has morphed and changed as you have evolved? Yeah, it, it has to, it has to. So what you do is you have to have a vision of where you want to go. But you, when you create that vision, you create that vision with what you know. However, as you embark upon that journey, you will learn, you will know what you didn't know. And as you learn more, as you grow more, you see more possibilities. And you must then look back and reflect and say, do I still wanna continue going there? Or should I redefine what success means? Success is meant to have plasticity. Otherwise, you will be stuck with the vision you created five years ago with very myopic tunnel, and you will miss opportunities that could be even better. I love that. The use of the word plasticity is synonymous for me with uh, neuroscience. And oh. we have neuroplasticity because the brain is able to learn new things always. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. Obviously, the younger you are, the more plastic and elastic your brain is. But I love the fact that you're using um, plasticity with success. And I think with women, we're often scared to step out of our comfort zone of what we know because that's where we feel confident and competent. And yet all the real learning and growth lies on the fringes of the pond in the areas of discomfort in pushing yourself into a role that you have not experienced before. I look at your career and I see how you stepped out of um, you know, the, the engineering side of things into the sales side of things, something maybe you had never considered years before, and yet it was a light bulb moment for you. And I look at my own career. I've had three different careers, three distinctly different careers. And I know that I couldn't be doing the work I'm doing today if I hadn't taken those risks on myself. So talk about, Akiti, talk to us about stepping into your fear of doing something you've never done before. Why is that important? It's everything, actually. It's not just important. Um, I have a, an entire chapter in my book where there's two. One is intentional value. That's where I talk about fear. And then the other one is intentional growth. So, so the, the, the chapter of intentional growth actually starts with growth and comfort cannot coexist. This is, this is a quote that... Um, the former chairman and CEO of IBM, Ginny Rometty, talks about often that growth and comfort cannot coexist. And in order for us to grow, it is not a choice. We must, we must step outside of your comfort zone because until you step outside your comfort zone, you don't even know what you're capable of doing. And so you could be shortchanging your capabilities because you never took a chance to even test them. It's better to have tested and recognize that, hey, that's not for me, than never to have tested it. So stepping outside your comfort zone, in my opinion, uh, there is no evolution without it. There, you, there is no growth without it. And so it's not even a 
a matter of choice. It is something you must do. And yes, it is scary the first time you do it, but you cannot let your fear stop you. And uh, you and I just talked about fear earlier. And each one of us has to come to terms with our fear. Our fear is actually there to protect us. Our fear doesn't want us to get hurt. It means well for us, but our fear also doesn't recognize that we need to step outside of your comfort zone. And it's okay if we get hurt. It's okay if we fall. We are gonna learn from it and we are gonna grow as a result of it. So you need to talk to your voice of fear is what I call it. And your voice of courage needs to be louder and needs to thank fear for wanting to protect you, but also explain to fear that you can't stop me. I have to grow. This is my one life I have. This is my one chance I have to grow, to get out of my comfort zone, to figure out what I'm even capable of doing. And if I sit in my comfort zone and be scared, I won't even know what I'm capable of doing. And that would be very sad. Can I add something to that? And it's not just figure out what you're capable of doing. It's actually figuring out who you are. That too. Absolutely. We're always in the process of evolving and becoming. And I love the quote by Edith Eager, who wrote The Choice and The Gift. She's an Auschwitz survivor. And her second book, The Gift, was written at the age of 95. The first book was written at the age of 92. And she says... Wow. We must evolve, otherwise we will just revolve. And if oh, you are just revolving around the same point in your life, there's no growth and progress. You're, you're marking time, so to speak. Yes. And I think yes. women have so much to offer that they haven't even realized yet. But that brings me back to this question of attention, going back to intentional attention. Yes. Yes. How does one person or one woman differentiate her success from that of another as it relates to attention and what we're talking about in terms of stepping out? Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. I'm going back to what we talked earlier that each person has 24 hours in a day, whether you're the CEO of your organization or someone just starting out. And if you look around and you see someone who is very successful, whether they're in your team, someone you admire, someone you respect. I'd like you to look at and truly reflect upon where does that person focus their attention? They don't focus their attention on minors. They don't focus their attention on petty things. They are constantly focusing their attention in moving forward, in becoming more, in doing more, in having more influence, in having more impact. And so where you choose to focus your attention determines your success and differentiates your success from someone else. Does so what that you, answer your question? Yes. So you're really amplifying what I've always said, which is what you focus on will flourish. Wherever you spend the most attention, you will, you will grow more of. The question is, is that what you want to grow more of or not? And that goes back to knowing what success means to you. What you want to grow 
Does it move you closer to your definition of win? Does it move you closer to your definition of success? If you, one of your definitions of success is to deepen your relationship with your son, which I know it is, if your son is sitting next to you, you have a choice of are you going to look at your phone or scroll on social media, or are you going to focus your attention asking your son about his day, what his thoughts are, what his plans are, what happened today that excited him, seeking to understand him more. Or you could focus your attention on something else that doesn't move you closer to your definition of success. And so knowing where you're going, knowing how you define your win is the starting point that guides every decision, every choice you make. And one of those choices is intentional attention, is taking your attention and intentionally focusing it on whatever is meaningful to you, whatever matters to you, whatever will move you closer to your definition of win. This takes us to that very touchy point of how do women say no assertively? How can we say it with kindness and yet be firm? Because there are so many traps that women fall into. We want to be liked. We want to be the team player. We want to be seen as collaborators. And yet, if we're going to choose intentional attention, there are going to be many times where we have to say no at work and at home. How does that conversation go down in the office. You have expanded on this in your book, and I think this is a really worthwhile thing to explore. Yes, yes. You know, I'd like to first start out by saying that saying no is not a bad thing. Saying no is actually a good thing. So many of us are afraid that people won't like us because we are saying no. If we just turn that around and think of, because I am saying no to a certain task, I am saying yes to something that creates more value for myself and more value for my organization, for my corporation, whatever else that I am trying to accomplish. And so when you don't think of no as a bad thing, that gives you the permission to say no without really being concerned about not being liked. And so your intention behind saying no, there goes the word intention again, is a good one. And the other thing you want to remember is you're not saying no to the person. You're saying no to a task that is being asked of you. So separate people from tasks, people from issues. The tasks are not, not going to like you. They have no emotions. And so when you think about it, it makes it so much easier if you make the person understand in terms of tasks, in terms of priorities, in terms of business outcomes, in terms of focusing your attention where you can create maximum value not just for yourself, but also for your organization. What happens then is the person recognizes that you don't waste your time. And that will gain you respect over time. 
So saying no will actually gain you respect, which is so much more important than someone liking you or not liking you. I love the way you have connected saying no to firstly self-worth and secondly in the business context to maximizing business outcomes. So you're encouraging people to reframe how you say no, but the words and are- why you say no and why you say no. why you say no and how how you say no. They're both very important. Yes. So we've and, dealt with the why. Yes. We've dealt with the why. Now let's talk about the how, which is the execution yes. of the yes. no, yes. because words yes. are important. And yes. I think you do yes. this really beautifully. Can you can you talk us through that process of the how? Yes, one hundred percent. So so yes, this these two words no uh, has created a lot of friction, and they can create friction friction. They can create contention if you don't handle it well. And and so you first have to, as I said. You, in your mind, you must decide that by saying no, I'm not doing something wrong. I am not trying to not like the person or not trying to get the person to like me or not like me. This is not about getting liked. This is about doing the right thing to create maximum value for yourself and for your business. So when you start out understanding why you must say no, then how you say no becomes easier. The, the body language, the choice of words. And even when you go to say no, be open and seek to understand where the other person is also coming from. I think it's really important that you frame your perspective, but with an open mind where you truly seek to understand the other person. Because you know what? You may not know what you don't know. And until you have the conversation, you may not learn. And if you do learn something that you didn't know before, then change your decision. Say yes, because you didn't know what you didn't know. And what, that, what happens there is people deepen your relationship. You deepen relationship with the people. They understand that you're doing due diligence before you say no. There is a method to this madness. So the next time you say no, it will be so much easier because they know why you say no. Can I pick up on the words that we use? Because we need to avoid statements like, I wish I had more time to work on your project, which kind of like makes me as the person saying no sound a bit like a victim. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so words are really important in positioning ourselves in the conversation. As you said, we've got to, We've, we've, we've got to be empathetic. We've got to have, with the information at hand, weighed the options against each other. Yes, but yes. just talk to us about that wording to position ourselves yeah. Yeah. as somebody yeah. who is, is being reasonable, um, but yeah. has the best interests of everybody else and the situation in mind, while also acknowledging that we might not have all the facts. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what, that's, such a great point. It is such a great point. And as I said before, you're saying no to say yes to something. 
okay? And it's never a matter of enough time or not enough time. It is a matter of priorities. So going in saying, I'm so sorry, I wish I had more time. You are demeaning yourself. You are demeaning your self-worth. And you are asking, you're, you're stating something that you can't even change. I mean, time is time is time. You can't get any more of your time. And, and saying, I wish I had more time is, is a losing battle any which way you look at it. And you don't have to be sorry in order to say no. This goes back to the conversation we had earlier. This is about priorities. This is about maximizing business outcomes. This is about doing the right thing, not just for yourself, but also for your organization in which, by the way, your colleague to whom you're saying no also works. So maximizing your business's outcome is not just good for you and your boss and their boss. It's also good for this individual because this individual also works for the same organization. So when, the, when you have the conversation with the context of business outcomes and our organization, then you are creating a win-win instead of contention between the two of you. And you absolutely do not, and I underline the word, do not have to be sorry. When you value your time, you should not be sorry, period, end of conversation. And the way we respond, if we discover facts that we didn't know that might change the outcome of the conversation or the outcome that we thought we were going to achieve in the conversation. I think with women, it's to build in a, a little buffer. And some of the words that you use, and I know they're the kinds of words that I use in my many media interviews, when you're asked a question that maybe you weren't expecting, it's to take that breath and say, that's a really good point. Or like you did a little earlier when I asked you a question, you said, now, Nikki, that's a really great question. And while you were saying that, your brain is busy working behind the scenes to come up with the appropriate answer, giving yourself that little buffer. And so if somebody actually says something and you think, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that, you can say, that's a really good point. Or Thank you for making me aware. And you can actually say, I didn't think about it. Exactly. I mean, that, that kind of honesty actually builds relationships. You should just totally say, you know, you gave me something to think about. I hadn't thought about it. And I am going to revisit whether it still continues to make sense for me not to pursue this. And, yeah. and you should sincerely do this. See, this is not a word game. This is about saying what you mean and meaning what you say and doing the right things at all times. Yeah. Your choice of words is basically for women who like to undermine ourselves. We, we think we should say sorry for everything and we shouldn't. What's really interesting about that word, sorry, and women falling into the trap of constantly justifying requests or justifying their fees. It's something that I raise with many, many women. I say, when you write emails to people pitching for work or answering a response for a quotation, things like that, how aware are you of the words you're using in your email, let alone in your face-to-face -face presentations? 
and the number of times women come back saying, you know, we are so apologetic. When we quote, we say, we try and justify what we're charging, or we say, I'm sorry, or I'd just like to explain why. And it's a, a real default setting. Have you experienced that a lot in business? Yes, absolutely. And we must change it. It, it is. I, I think we, growing up, we like to play modest. You know, we, our friends like us when we use those words, when we're not assertive. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we are not dealing with the same type of people when we enter corporate America. I, I, say, I say corporate America because my, my career has been in corporate America and that's where my experience is. You must understand the audience has changed and so your language has to change. The rules have changed and so your game has to change. Yeah. So it's adapting all the time. And, and being aware, being aware of yourself and being aware of your environment, being aware of who you're speaking with and using discerning judgment and choosing the right words to speak to them. And in each environment, as you have changed jobs in your career, you've also had to change your vocabulary to match the outcomes, to match the, the win in that environment, because there is different language in different divisions of the same company to show that you understand your environment and that you can match your vision of success to the vision of success, to that division, that department, that particular job spec. Um, and that's part of learn, learning and growing and changing is being able to illustrate that adaptability, that flexibility. The teachability, I think, is an important factor in every job. We don't walk into new environments knowing everything. In fact, the minute you step into a new job, you can feel so unconfident for those first few weeks or months and wonder why on earth you actually took this risk and made this change. But we have to give ourselves the space and time to settle. That's something that I think many people don't allow and acknowledge is giving yourself time to settle. Yeah. You're right, because we want to create value right on day Off one. the bat, off the bat. Right off the bat. And we must allow ourselves time to learn. It's a new environment. You must tell yourself that I'm going to learn first. I'm going to seek to understand. I'm going to understand the people, the language, the business, the whole model, how people make decisions, my clients, everything. And once I do that, you need to have the confidence that I will be able to bring the skills that I already have to bear to create value in my new role, while I will learn and grow so I can create additional value. And each new opportunity provides you with that growth, so you are continuously increasing the value you're creating for yourself and for your organization. 100%. But you've just been talking about these internal conversations that you have to have with yourself. And I think this is a great place to round off our conversation today. And this is the mental chatter, the internal conversations that can either push us forward or can sideline us. How do we control that mental chatter so that it serves us? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, my mental chatter used to get in my own way. I, you know, and I think a lot of us women suffer the same thing. Um, maybe because we are hard on ourselves, we undermine our capabilities. Uh, whatever the reasons are, our mental chatter can become a huge obstacle along the way. In fact, I've gone so far as coining a term which I call power quotient. And what I mean by power quotient, your power quotient, your real, true, authentic power lies in your response. No matter what, no matter what the situation, you are always responsible and accountable for your response. Now, here's the trick. Whenever we have a negative stimulus, whether it is an internal negative stimulus that is based on our fear, undermining our own capabilities, something that tells you you can't do this. If you don't use your power quotient, you will react to it with a negative response. You will give into your, me your mental chatter. But if you use your power quotient, you will actually scan your mental chatter. You will recognize that your mental chatter, the autopilot is negative right now. And you will consciously shift and pick a response that is empowering, a response that will move you closer to your definition of success. In my head, I have this mental picture right now of a railway track and it gets to a fork and the one fork will take you forward and the other one is going to loop you backwards in your life. And for those of us who are visual, sometimes having a picture in your head is quite helpful. Is this going to take me forward along that track or is this decision or choice going to loop me back and take me backwards? And or stand still. Or stand still. Yeah. Going in circles, you know, going back to what I said about Edith yeah. Eager's quote, are you evolving or are you yes. revolving? And it's always coming back to this place of personal power and personal choice. And you should always own it. That's my thing is so many of us women, we give away our power. We don't even recognize we are so powerful and our power lies in our responses. It doesn't matter what happens to you. What matters is how you respond to it. Yes, we can't always choose our circumstances, but we always get to choose our response. And so control is really an illusion. Our control lies in our response and our attitude in each and every moment of our lives, both at work and at home. Shalmina, this has been an absolute joy to speak to you today. We could speak for hours. I know that much. What struck me about our conversation and some of the real pearls of wisdom that have come out for me is that first question you posed of, is this worthy of my attention when it comes to intentional attention? And for women in particular, the word worthy is such an important one. We need to sit with that and really give it some consideration. And that we need to structure our decisions around 
our priorities, not just our task list, our to-do list. And that will help us to shift from being busy and a hamster on a wheel to being absolutely productive. And that success has to, that success must have plasticity. That we need to constantly be doing that self-reflection to tweak what success and what the win looks like for us. And to be clear about our definition of win. I love the fact that you use that, you know, for me, winning is not me winning and you losing. It's the fact that we can all win if we become more clear about what success looks like for us. And then, of course, that growth and comfort cannot exist together. And I've always been of the belief that if you're uncomfortable, you must be growing. Then, of course, it begs the question, how self-aware are you? And are you asking those two questions when you're uncomfortable? How am I learning? And how am I growing? What is this experience teaching me? Whether it's a good experience or an uncomfortable experience, there's always something to learn. So thank you for your time. And in closing, can you give us the title of your up and coming book and when it's going to be available? All right. Well, first of all, you did such a great job of summarizing. I applaud you for the way you listen. So thank you for doing that. Um, the title of my book is Show Your Worth. And the subtitle is Eight Intentional Strategies for Women to Emerge as Leaders. And it's coming out, being released globally by McGraw-Hill on June 21st, 2022. Summer stole solstice for us here, winter solstice for you. That's absolutely right. Well, I hope to interview you again as soon as that book hits the shelves. And uh, I really do recommend to our listeners today because I have had a sneak preview at this manuscript that this is going to be a very valuable book to have on your bookshelf and to work through. Uh, and I love something that you've written in your book that you say, come back to this book at least once a year because it's so practical in helping people to work out what their personal success plan is and what their power quotient is and how to pay intentional attention. Shalmina, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for coming to share with our audience at Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush. And to our listeners, please share your comments, questions, and topic suggestions at info at nikkibush.com. And you're invited to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life.